What if I told you there's a way you could be a second shooter at a family session so you can see exactly how the photographer prepares, how they interact with their clients, what they say when they're posing, or when they choose to use fluid motion, what they do when kids might not cooperate or dad might not be in the session. What if I told you there's a way you can see what the gear is that they're using, where they're positioning themselves when they're shooting, what factors they're taking into consideration when they're shooting, what if I told you there was a way you could see what their straight out of camera images look like, and then you could see their editing process too, so you know exactly how they get those start to finish images and those polished ones you see in your Instagram feed. Now what if I told you you could be that second shooter without ever having to leave your house? What if I told you that not only do you get to watch it from home, but you didn't have to remember every single thing you were trying to learn the first time you watched it? What if you could watch and rewatch as much as you wanted? How would that improve your images, your posing, your confidence? Now, what if I told you there is a way you could be a second shooter, not only for one photographer, but 26. That's exactly what you'll experience inside the 2024 online family retreat. Your inspiration will soar, your art will improve, your posing will become more fluid, and your confidence is going to increase so, so much. And honestly, your clients are going to feel so much more comfortable. Head on over to themilkyway.ca slash family retreat. It all gets underway May 29th, and we hope to see you there. So have you ever heard the saying, how do you eat an elephant? And the answer is one bite at a time. Now, I don't know where that saying came from, but... That's exactly how like I approach SEO. I can fire hose people with information and they just come away deer in the headlights look. So I have learned that you can't fire hose people. You have to feed it to them one bit at a time. And so that's basically what we do is I slowly teach them one stage at a time, starting with something very easy and kind of, it's like building blocks. So we start with the first building blocks, we get that in place, and then we work on to the next building blocks. And I always tell people, it's like when you picked up your camera for the first time, it could do all these things and you could push the button. That was about all you knew how to do. So we start off with, okay, you can push the button. Now, you know, we're going to take you to that next step. What can you do there? And then just keeping it slow and steady and learning one thing at a time. It's definitely more of the tortoise and the hare. It's the tortoise, not the hare, but that's what's going to get you results. And so that's how for photographers, I can make it easy because I just break it down and I feed it to you bit by bit. Welcome to the Art and Soul Show, where we dive into heart-opening chats on photography, business, life, and that messy in-between. I'm your host, Lisa DeJeso, a mom, a photographer, and entrepreneur, and I'll be sharing honest conversations and advice for photographers with insight on mindset, entrepreneurship, and creativity. The goal of this podcast is for you to be able to gain insights and strategies that will get you real results. Because let's face it, Having a photography business can be lonely, but it doesn't have to be. This is the place you can go when you need a boost of encouragement, a kick in the pants, and inspiration to pick up your camera. This is the Art and Soul Show. Hello, my beautiful friends. Welcome back to the show. Today, I'm super excited to dive into today's conversation with Melissa Arlena. She's an SEO educator and coach for photographers looking to show up on Google and book their ideal clients. As a former IT nerd, she has a knack for taking technical things and making them simple and relatable. She's using that superpower for good and helping photographers tackle their website SEO. Melissa started her photography business back in 2008 and spent 10 years photographing 
photographing weddings. Then she pivoted to newborns in 2018. She's also moved her business twice. And with each change, she used SEO to climb the rankings to get her to the top of Google and fill her calendar. Now she's helping other photographers do the same. When she isn't behind the computer or her camera, you can find her hanging out with her family and two dogs on their sailboat cruising the Chesapeake Bay. Welcome, Melissa. Hello. Thanks for having me. So tell us who you are and really what you're passionate about beyond the bio I just read. <laughs> so yeah, I'm Melissa Arlena and I'm a motherhood photographer. And I think really passionate, I mean, that, those are mo- most of my passions that you listed off, but just helping, helping others kind of thing is a big, big passion of mine. So whether it's with great photos of their family or SEO for getting themselves booked kind of thing. I love it. Well, when photographers hear the word SEO, we like to take our heads and bury them in the sand and pretend we didn't actually hear that. So can you maybe share what SEO is exactly and why it's important for photographers? Yes. So SEO stands for search engine optimization. And whenever somebody asks me, like, what do you do? And I say, oh, I help photographers with their SEO. They're like, what does that mean? And I'm like, that means basically when you search on Google, they show up. And they're like, oh. So that's really what search engine optimization is. It's just making sure your website is optimized to show up on Google and ideally show up on page one in those top three spots kind of thing. And so it's important for photographers because that's how you get found. If you can't get found on Google, then you have to rely on things like social media and stuff like that. And then it really limits your client potential. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's so funny with SEO because, I mean, I've been in the game since 2010, I think. And I think SEO has been a buzzword ever since. And I'm just like, it's still something that I'm like, (gasps) SEO. (laughs) Terrifying. It's terrifying. So I think many photographers, we stay away from it because it feels overwhelming and really complicated. So can maybe you share your method of making it user-friendly and easy for photographers like me to understand? Yes. So have you ever heard the saying, how do you eat an elephant? And the answer is one bite at a time. Now, I don't know where that saying came from, but <laughs> that's exactly how like I approach SEO. I can fire hose people with information and they just come away deer in the headlights look. So I have learned that you can't fire hose people. You have to feed it to them one bit at a time. And so that's basically what we do is I slowly teach them one stage at a time, starting with something very easy and kind of it's like building blocks. So we start with the first building blocks, we get that in place. And then we work on to the next building blocks. And I always tell people, it's like when you picked up your camera for the first time, it could do all these things. And you could push the button. That was about all you knew how to do. So we start off with, okay, you can push the button. Now, you know, we're going to take you to that next step. What can you do there? And then just keeping it slow and steady and learning one thing at a time. No, it's definitely more of the tortoise and the hare. It's the tortoise, not the hare, but that's what's going to get you results. And so that's how for photographers, I can make it easy because I just break it down and I feed it to you bit by bit. I think a lot of the times we even don't even know where to start. Like you start hearing things like, oh, you should be adding keywords. And then you just kind of like, you just don't even know what is like step one. So where for someone who's never done anything with SEO, where would they want to begin? So it's funny because it is keywords. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Keywords is exactly it. I tell everyone that is the very basic building block is figuring out what keywords your clients are searching for. Because if you don't have the right keywords, and I see this with people all the time where they're like, well, I have keywords on my website. And then when you go and look at it and you're like, yeah, but nobody's searching that keyword. Yeah. And so you have to figure out what keywords your clients are actually searching. So it starts with that keyword research and figuring out what locations are they searching for? What what words are they using? And then some words, you know, you could find too that the different clients you get, some words, kind of have different connotations. So somebody might say photos or somebody else might say portraits. 
and they're looking for different things. Typically, when they're just searching photos, they might just be searching for photos of something or they're kind of more on the cheaper round versus when somebody's searching portraits, they're thinking of something much more elegant and upscale. So if you cater to that elegant and upscale crowd, I don't want you using the word photos on your website because it's not going to bring in your ideal client. So it really starts with knowing who your ideal client is, what they're searching for, and then finding the keywords that actually have traffic and putting those on your website. Now, back in the day, I remember it was really important to, when you rename your images, to make sure that they're keyworded too. Is that still something that is relevant? Yes, because when you use those keywords, they'll actually come up in Google image search results. And I used to do this all the time for weddings. So I would put the venue name because that was kind of my keyword for the post into the file name. And then I would go check Google search images area. You know, you type in a search and then you click on images and I would see my photos popping up in there and they would be different photos for a venue, that kind of thing. So I do the same thing now with locations that I'm at. So where I'm at currently, by the time this airs, I will not be here anymore. But if you were to search like Miami newborn photographer, you would see images of mine in there and it's from keywording it. Otherwise, Google doesn't I mean, that's how Google knows what to show in those results is by the keyword. Interesting. Now, when it comes to like, there's so many different things you can use, different platforms. You can build a WordPress website. You could use ShowIt or Squarespace or Wix or all these different things. Is there one that is more search engine optimized or a better system than others? Or are they all about the same? So WordPress is still reigns supreme. So WordPress is from the get-go, it's you know, even 20 years later, practically, it's still the number one thing. Stuff like Show It actually can be built on a WordPress backend. So you can have that WordPress behind it versus things like Squarespace is kind of built on its own. Wix is built on its own. Pixie Set is built on its own. So really, when people are like, I want to work on my SEO, I usually tell them you want to have some kind of WordPress backend. Squarespace isn't bad, but if they're on Wix or Pixie Set, if you're going to invest in SEO, you want to have, it's kind of like, I always tell people, it's like, you're going to run a race or a NASCAR race. Like you don't want to walk out there with, my husband would laugh, a Ford Pinto. That's what he used to race when he was a kid versus a current NASCAR car. Like, so you want to have that high speed car. So WordPress is really where it's at to start with that. But like I said, show it pro photo, um, I believe flow themes. I can't remember for sure, but they're built on WordPress. And so you can still get that juice of WordPress as long as you set it up properly. Interesting. I know because I I went through and had a website redo and we rebuilt it on Show It. But what I have noticed is, well, I'm also, I don't even know how to use it. Number one, I got to figure that out, but (laughs) set it built for me. But I like, I don't know anything about SEO really when it comes to, because I've never really worked on that. It's always like, I've always had like a referral based business and I'm kind of on a sabbatical from photography right now. But going back, I'm just like, well, I'm not ranking. I used to rank number one and I'm like, I'm not there anymore. Okay. Well, I'm a competitive gal. Not that, I mean, really it's with myself, but like, you know, like, right. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And that's a lot of times people will switch a website over and then they're like, I lost all my rankings. And it's like, yeah, well, did you put your keywords back in? Did you update your SEO settings? Because your backlinks will stay the same and your citations will stay the same. But if, if your page title is now your name photography and not your genre or city or location or whatever, Google's like, well, this page is about blah, blah, blah photography. It's not about Miami newborn photographer or something like that. So it can be overlooking those little things. And web designers, they're good at designing a website. And a lot of my clients hire me after they've worked with the web designer to come in and then SEOify the site for them. I love it. You're like the SEO cleaner. <laughs> right? Yes. Oh, I yeah, love yeah. It. 
Yeah, especially I love show it and I love show it designers, but they constantly are making everything a header. And so I'll go in and I'll have to clean up like 50 header tags. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I know it's that font, but please stop. Please stop using it that way. I love it. I love it. (laughs) So what would you say are, are the biggest mistakes that you see when it comes to photographers and their SEO? I mean, beyond not using it. <laughs> like... uh, yeah. So one of the big ones I see is targeting a keyword that doesn't get any traffic, targeting multiple keywords. So suddenly it's Boston family, newborn, maternity, senior, and uh, wedding photographer all on your homepage. And no one's looking for that string all at once. I mean, I joke around, somebody might be looking for a maternity wedding photographer, but that's probably not the type of wedding you want to shoot. So, <laughs> so you really want to be specific on picking one keyword per page. And I, I like to call it, we're a military family. So I, I refer to them as my little soldiers. And so I assign one keyword per soldier and one soldier per page. Because if I give him too many keywords, like maternity and newborn and family, he just runs around in circles and he doesn't know what to do. So instead, I want him to have two buddies. And then he and each of his buddies, they go out and they find traffic for that keyword and they bring it back to their own page. So he gets one job. And I will say that that analogy has had to change a little bit over the last like six months. I've noticed that Google is treating things like photographer and photography the same. Mm. So it used to be those were two different keywords. But now if you do a search for like Miami newborn photographer versus Miami newborn photography, those top five listings pretty much are identical. Oh, interesting. So now we're having to do more of like, okay, that soldier's getting a second keyword, but only because Google now believes that those are the same. (laughs) So I'm having to like adjust my analogy a little bit, but you still want to, you know, Google's not going to show the same results for maternity and for newborn unless somebody's trying to really optimize for both of those. And it's better to have, if somebody's looking for a maternity photographer, you want them to land on a page of your website that's all about maternity. Maybe it mentions some things about newborn, maybe it mentions some things about family, but you don't want them to land on a page where you're like, I do everything. Which one do you want? Yeah, so true. Now, blogging, is it is it still relevant? Yes, but blogging has definitely changed. Right? I always joke around, I'm like, nobody cares about the Jones family, <laughs> except I have one client uh, or a friend of mine She's in a small town and she's like, no, but seriously, people care about the Jones family in small towns. And I'm like, you're right. Small towns are a little bit different. I said, but in most cases, people don't necessarily care about that particular family. But what they do care about is, man, mom's got an awesome dress. Where did she find that for that session? Or that family is so coordinated. You know, how did they plan out what to wear? For me, I always do in-home lifestyle newborn. So I focus a lot on the nursery. I love interior design. So I go hog wild. I tell them, I'm like, look, I don't care if you don't want pictures of your nursery. I want pictures of your nursery because it's so pretty kind of thing. I love it. And then I'll do a nursery feature. I have one like uh, it's a, I knew as soon as I walked in, I was like, oh, this is going to go wild on Pinterest. It was Star Wars themed. I did a post like Star Wars themed nursery and showed off pictures of the nursery and then a couple pictures from the session kind of thing. But more people were interested in her decor. What the? I got like 12 messages about what paint color is that? Shut the front door. And I had to reach out to her and be like, I was like, what's the paint color? Like, I know this was three years ago, but do you remember it? <laughs> I love that. Cause like, cause you always think like with photography blogging, it's like, you have to sort of reimagine what it is. Yes. Like how it used to be. It's like when you go, like, I love to cook, but I hate recipe blogs so much. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, please just give me the recipe. That is it. I don't even any pictures. Yeah. I just want to know the recipe. My husband's like, I don't want to read about your great grandmother and how she brought this over from England back in the pilgrimage days. Like, <laughs> no. And I'm like, if we reimagined photography blogs sort of in that way on the things that the client 
actually is interested instead of the fluff that we kind of have been taught to put up over the years. I think it makes blogging sound funner. Is that a word? More fun? Yeah. Right. And Yes. No, and I, totally. When I talk to people, you know, they're like, well, when I have to write about the Jones family, it's just blinky cursor syndrome. Like, I don't know what to say. Yeah. So blah, 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 yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. But when they sit down and they think, okay, how do I make this a resource for someone else? Like how did this client prepared so well for the session? What are three ways to prepare for your newborn session? And then like, then they're like, oh, okay, now the juices are flowing. Now I can figure this out. So Photographers want to start thinking about their blogs less about client features and more about how do I make this a resource for future clients? Interesting. While still showing off the past clients' photos kind of thing. So what happened to me, I got hacked, I guess it was two years, two years ago now. And so I lost my original website that I had first constructed on WordPress, like in 2010, and then I haven't updated it since 2015. I was very, very good with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then I had it redone with the show it site and I currently don't have a blog. So what advice would you have for like, if I wanted to start blogging, how do I even like, just do I just start and where do I start? Yep. Just start. And I tell people map out 12 post topics, mm. just map that out to start with and aim for one a month yeah. at a minimum. Like if you absolutely hate blogging, one a month will get you going. I would rather you're doing it than dreading it kind of thing. So you map out 12 topics, you write 12 posts. I don't care if you write 12 posts in one week or if it takes you 12 months to write them but schedule them out for one a month. And if you if you get into a rhythm and you're like, oh, this isn't as bad as I thought it was gonna be, and you feel like you can do more, then get six months post, six month worth of posts built up and then come back and now start doing one every two weeks and just kind of keep it so that you constantly have six months worth of posts scheduled to go out there. And for people who really wanna skyrocket their ratings or their rankings and stuff, posting multiple times a week kind of thing, like to really dig in. When we moved down here to Miami, I pretty quickly hit page two just by updating my main keywords and stuff. And then I got to like the bottom of page one because I mean, SEO, there's a lot of time in it. You can set things up, but it's going to take time. And so then I hit a point where I was like, all right, I've kind of been at the bottom of page one for a couple months. It's not really budging. So I started blogging three times a week for like four months and I burned myself out totally. Yeah. But I ended up like started climbing up the rankings. And by that fall, I hit number one for like Miami family photographer and my phone was blowing up for fall family sessions and stuff. Wow. That's awesome. So it, it paid off, like sit down, do the work and then get things scheduled out kind of thing. Google prefers consistency over anything else. So writing all those blog posts, then I slowed things down because I was like, I can't do this. I can't keep this pace up. But just kind of at that point being consistent going forward. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And especially like long gaming it. Like, because we, so many times, like we just throw something up or we do something once and we don't get the results that we want. And so we're like, eh, it doesn't work, right? Where it's like, yeah. with Google, it sounds like it, there's a longer like strategy. So what is the time frame to actually have that data that things are starting to work? Um, I usually find for clients, so I've had some clients that we work together in January and they've been now we're like four months later and they're on page one in like the five to 10 spot for their different pages and stuff. So I would say, and I don't, I'd have to look, I'm not sure how much blogging she has done kind of thing with that, but you know, you can see kind of starting to rank for more keywords fairly quickly. Cause if you're not ranking for any keywords and suddenly you throw them up there, Google's going to be like, oh, hey, welcome to the crowd, man. Like, nice to see you kind of thing. And you'll start noticing that trying to climb up onto that first page. That's the one that takes time. So like I said before, it took me, took me probably about 18 months total from when we knew we were going to move here. And I got started right away before we'd even left 
to 18 months later, like I was in the number one spot and my phone was ringing off the hook. And I have a friend who's a military wife. She moves every three years. And she said it's been consistently 18 months. She hits the stride. Everything's going. And then she gets about a year of good stuff. And then six months to go, they're at the, going to the next duty station. She's got to start the clock all over again kind of thing. I love that. I'm, I'm just thinking, I've, I know so many military photographers. Yeah. It's such a brilliant strategy, though, because out of necessity, really, right? Like you're like, yes. how else am I going to do this? <laughs> I love it. Right? Yeah. And once you get up there, then it's just a matter of staying consistent, getting featured, putting your blog posts out there and stuff. It takes less work to stay where you're at than it does to get there. So it's like once I got to that top spot, then it was no big deal. Now we're moving back to Virginia. <laughs> so I started in March, switching everything over. And I think when I checked today, I'm like spot number four nice. for most of my keywords, but I'm also moving to a much smaller area. So I'm a bigger fish in a smaller pond versus when I was down here. Interesting. But before that, I was in the DC area and I was page one too. So like, Wow. Good for you. I love that. Yeah. Love that. So if you're in a smaller area, you may find your rankings. You can climb up fairly quickly versus if you're targeting a bigger city, there's a lot more people right there with you. Yeah. I love that because I think a lot of the times when you hear of photographers having to move and restart their business, there's like such a feeling of like sadness and, and like devastation for what they've built. And, and I love that you look at it as this opportunity to like reset, redo and hit number one again. I love that. Yeah. I mean, and especially with a move, you can fresh start your pricing, fresh start your policies. Like down here, I did more weekend sessions because our boat was back up in Virginia. But I already know landing in Virginia, weekends are off the books again. Not doing it. We're going to be on our boat. I don't want to I don't want to spend a weekend. Yeah, I love that. Love that. So what would you say would be the first step to making your website SEO friendly? I know we talked a little bit about keywords and doing it like each page. So how do you know it's actually showing up in Google? So you can check just search results on your own. You know, you can log into an incognito window to a search for your keyword. What I always tell everyone, the first thing you want to do, like, on, like, listen to this podcast and then go get on your computer and set up Google Search Console. It's free and it gives so much information. So if you set up Google Search Console, it now will start tracking your website and it will tell you it used to be so you might remember this way back in the day, Google Analytics. Yes. You could go into Google Analytics mm -hmm. and you could figure out what keywords people were using to search your website. And then they took it out. And I was so mad when they got rid of it. But then they came out with Google Search Console. So that's exactly what it does. So you can log in there and you can see exactly what keywords people are typing in to find you. And it's always a good idea to check that because sometimes you might have misspelled something and now you're getting found for something you don't want to get found for. And I have a few clients who will listen to this and be like, oh, she's talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> and so you want to be careful on those kind of things. So make sure that like everything's, you know, if you've got a crazy keyword that you're like, why am I ranking for that? It may be just that you've got something that's misspelled somewhere on your website. Yeah. So set up Google Search Console in there. You can see uh, what keywords you're getting found for how many times your website is showing up when someone searches for different keywords and stuff, and then how many clicks you're getting off of that. And I like to tell my clients, especially, I, I mean, I honestly, I love it when I start with someone who has no keywords, because it's a real easy win. And who doesn't love an easy win? You know, they're, they're not getting found for anything. They've got like 30 clicks over the last six months. And you're like, okay, we can do this. This is going to be fun. And then you set their website up and then you look at it six months later and now, you know, their traffic volume has quadrupled. Or I had one client, I think her, her traffic volume went up like 300% because she wasn't getting found for anything. Now she's getting found for stuff. And so you can, I like to tell people you want to see that little, 
the little curve, you know, going up, especially if you're brand new starting out. And then once you've been established for a while, you may find that it's not going to go up as dramatically, but it's still going to be, you still want it to stay up there. You don't want to see crazy drops or anything like that. And they also will send you a report at the, I think it's the beginning of the month for like last month. And they'll tell you, hey, these were the top keywords you were getting found for, or these are your top most popular pages. Interesting. Now I'm, now I'm like, I don't even know how I would find out how many clicks my website's getting. I have no idea. <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and now Google Search Console will only show you things from Google searches. So if you're looking at like how many hits are coming from Pinterest or coming from direct links and stuff like that, you need to go back out to Google Analytics for that. Right. Okay. Now you mentioned previously about getting featured. So I want to talk a little bit about that. And how do you, how do you start work on getting featured? So one of the big things with getting featured is if you're a wedding photographer, like everything's great. There's all kinds of wedding blogs and stuff like that. Portrait wise, there is not as much. So I like to kind of do more of the old school route of reaching out to other small businesses, things like that. So like, let's say maybe there's a doula near you that you guys share a similar target audience. You ask her, can I write a post on your website about how to choose, you know, when to book a maternity session? So it doesn't even have to like pitch you hardcore on that, but you say, hey, when should I be booking a maternity session? You write it yourself, you fill it with your photos. And then of course you pitch yourself at the end of like, hey, if you're looking for a maternity photographer, check me out. So now you're getting a a natural backlink from their site because you guest posted. There are a lot of times that Google, I think Google does not like, they say they don't like guest posting, but they mean it in the sense of you're paying to post on someone's website kind of thing. So there's a lot of stuff that Google doesn't like that we all freak out about, but it's not what we're doing. It's what the spammy scammers are doing. Right. So the spammy scammers are like, oh, I'm going to guest post on 300 sites with this one post to get all these links. And Google's like, no, 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 no. If you are posting on another local business's website and sharing information and it's a valuable post, that's not what Google means about don't guest post. Interesting. Because, I mean, we get emails about that all the time with Milky Way about people like, and I'm and they're just like, oh, no spammy spammers. No, <laughs> right? No, thank yes. you. Right? Oh, yeah. I get them all the time, too. I get them all the time, too, because it's or people wanting to place links on your website to their website, because especially if you've got a valuable domain ranking. Yeah, they know it and they want they want to post from yeah. it. Even going out to websites, too, like to get backlinks of like commenting on, you know, reading an article and leaving a thoughtful comment. Oh, um, if that website allows or gives backlinks, I've gotten backlinks from places just because I read an article and I left a comment and I left my website on there. Interesting. Oh, that's, that's a neat strategy. There's a lot of different ways. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting. And then there are places that do feature portrait photographers. I think the Motherhood Anthology, Kindred Path, and a couple others that still do portrait features. Hmm. Huh. Interesting. So AI-generated content is becoming a huge thing in the photography industry. So does AI content affect SEO? Yeah. So Google has already said that it will penalize sites using AI. But before everybody freaks out, that means don't ask ChatGPT to write your blog post for you and then just copy and paste. Yes. And you can totally do that. Like you can ask it to write it and you're like, wow, but it's not going to sound like you. And it may not necessarily answer the questions the way you would answer the question. So what I like to think of is use it like a virtual assistant. You could ask it like, what questions might someone have about booking a newborn photographer? And then it's it'll pop out questions and it'll pop out answers. I just say, ignore the answers portion of it, but look at the question and then answer the question how it pertains to your business. So maybe it says, what do I wear for that session? And you have a client closet and you say, you don't have to worry about what to wear because I've got this closet you can pick from. Versus someone else maybe like, 
oh, I'm going to give you a guide on how to shop your closet. Or you could work with this, this person that helps plan outfits for you, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So keep it, keep it like that to ask it about a topic. Ask it to help you figure out an outline for your post. I think I had asked it, what do I need to plan for? Like, how do I prepare for a newborn session or something like that? And it gave me like some different topics for a client that might come up for a client. Obviously, what to wear, time of day, who should be there? What do I do for the baby? And so then you just basically answer those questions. So think about it like that. Use it for brainstorming, but not to do your work for you. I love that. It's it's so true because, well, I, you you, my my son especially he's thirteen he's grade eight and we're hearing a lot more about it uh, with like like don't use chat GBT kids like yes. we're gonna get busted right yeah but even for him I would be like okay well if you're writing a research paper have it help you figure out an outline because it's gonna come up with ideas and then you may spin off ideas from that yes and I think that's what I love the most about it because I've used it for a number of things and I think it gets my creative juices flowing yes versus like just relying on it to like just be the Right. The answer. Yeah. Like we need to can't outsource our thinking. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So what metrics should creatives and photographers track to measure the success and effectiveness of their SEO efforts? And how often should they be doing that? So like I said, Google Search Console is going to have all kinds of information for you. And I like the once a month type thing of looking at it once a month. In my uh, Facebook group, I had someone the other day, they were like, oh, my site took a dive, a nosedive, like 30 or 40 spots. You know, and then it was back up the next day. And I was like, you have to think of SEO like a diet and that if you are checking your rankings every day, that's like getting on the scale every day. Anytime you go up or down, you're going to have some kind of huge emotional reaction versus if you just wait until the end of the week and see what the average ranking was, you won't stress out over the ups ups and downs because I don't know why Google will drop a site 40 spots and then the next day put it right back up there but it doesn't. Totally. And there's no one to yell at about it. So I, like I said, I like to look at overall impressions. I just want to make sure I look at like the last three months compared to the previous three months, which you can do that all in Google Search Console. And as long as I can see traffic's increasing and click-through rate is increasing, then I know I'm good. If I see traffic's decreasing, then I'm trying to figure out, okay, why is it decreasing? Did I lose ranking on a keyword? Are the overall searches just down because it's January and people aren't looking for a family photographer versus in October, it's going to be off the charts because everyone's looking. Now, if you and someone else are like, have all the same keywords, Mm -hmm. how can you get ahead and how can you put yours to number one? So that's where backlinks, citations, some of it is longevity of your website. So if you are brand spanking new and you're competing with someone who's been around for 15 years, it's kind of like, a credit score. Right. The longer your website has been around, it's very much like you have a better credit score than someone whose website is brand new. Ironically, so like I have Melissa Arlena Photography for my photography website, but then I just started a dom- uh, you know a website for Melissa Arlena for the SEO stuff. And so my domain ranking for my photography site is fantastic. It's like 25 or 26, which is great for a small business. And my new site's like, 0.02 or something like that. Like, yeah, <laughs> it has nothing on it. And so right now I'm like, all right, well, it's just, that's kind of how it is. It's just going to take time, but making sure you've got your business name out there on places like Yelp, Facebook, all the social media channels, getting those citations, which is name, address, and phone number. I tell people um, citations are kind of like everyone in town knowing your name. So they don't necessarily say, oh, I refer this person. But when someone's like, oh, hey, have you heard about Melissa Arlena Photography? Oh, yeah, I know that name. That's what a citation does because everyone knows it. Now, a backlink would be that same person being like, oh, yeah, you should go check out her website. Here's the link kind of thing. Right. 
Okay. So both of them are important. It's important for people to have brand awareness, which is what citations give you. And it's important to have referrals, basically, which is what backlinks give you. And all of that helps create juices for Google. Plus, anytime you are writing blog posts and stuff, even if it's not necessarily straight up photography related, but it's related to your clients and your small town, and it gets a lot of traffic, it builds authority with Google that Google's like, so like for family photographers, I tell them, write a blog post on the top five ice cream joints in your area. Take your kids to the five. They'll love that assignment. Take pictures of your kids at the different joints. Take a picture of the outside and then write a blog post about the top five places. I have a friend, um, she's in Virginia Beach and she did this. Top five places for ice cream in Virginia Beach. So anyone who's traveling there wants to check that out. Like I would do that with my kids. And then she gets a lot of traffic from that. And Google's like, oh, wow, this site's getting a lot of traffic. People are hanging out on it. It's giving her more authority because Google's like, oh, people trust this. Then I'm going to trust this. And it's trusting it for her local area. So those are the types of things that even if you can't fix the fact that your domain is only two years old, you can start getting traffic to it and showing Google that it's trustworthy. I love it. Maybe do things that other people aren't doing. Yes. Love that. Mm-hmm. Smart. All right. You ready for our lightning round? Sure. Okay. Coffee or tea? Uh, can I say neither and go with Coke? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Ooh, like real Coke or like? Yeah, like Coca-Cola. Yeah. Yeah, Coca-Cola. I am not a, I don't, I don't drink coffee. I'm so weird. I know. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> I'm like, I love Coke Zero. I love Coke Zero so much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm currently so trying much. to break up with Coca-Cola for a little while or like I know, reduce I my know. intake. <laughs> I know. Most luxurious vacation you've ever been on? Oh, we just came back from a one-week cruise on Norwegian. And uh, my husband managed to score us like a VIP like section of it. So we had a butler and a concierge and the kids had M&Ms and gummy bear bowls filled up every day. So no way. Yeah. And I would say I didn't have to cook or clean. So that's what made it luxurious for me. Totally. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> Favorite TV show as a kid? Uh, Golden Girls. It was a good ad. Yeah. Which is crazy because I'm 45 and I was like, I think Blanche was like 55. And I was like, this is terrifying. Like, yeah. No, they no. Yeah, they were. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yes. And what they got away with on that show is amazing oh, to me. Good gravy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when you think like it, this was on it, in the 90s. Holy cow. I know. So true. What did you want to be when you were a kid? I wanted to work with animals. So it was like a veterinarian or later I wanted to be like an animal rescue and rehabilitationist. What's your favorite comfort food? Hmm. I would say probably like tomato soup and grilled cheese. Nice. That's a good one. Like real grilled cheese with real, like real cheese or like the processed cheese? No, like sourdough bread with like, I think I actually just got an every plate recipe recently. It was like fig jam with sourdough bread and like cheddar cheese. And now I can't have a grilled cheese sandwich without fig jam. I'm like, (laughs) yum. I'm going to have to try that. What three things do you want to be remembered for? Of course, the first answer is like, oh, I want to be, I want my kids to be like, oh, she was a good mom. But I literally just got my Mother's Day cards for my kids. And they were like, my mom's good at work. And I was like, oh, all right. (laughs) (laughs) I need to change my life a little. (laughs) Well, you know, you got a card. So that's (laughs) more than I got. That's more than I got. Well, they have to make them in school. Like mine are still little kind of thing. (laughs) I mean, I would like to be remembered as like having a successful business, being a good friend and, you know, and obviously being a good wife and mom kind of thing. But it's hard to balance all of those. I feel like. Yeah. There's no such thing as balance. Yeah. Like whatever, like just some things get more attention at times. It just is what it is. Yeah. (laughs) What's your go-to karaoke jam? Oh, see, this is funny. I am not like a music person. 
Like my daughter thinks that the radio in our truck doesn't work because I only listen to podcasts. Oh, I love that. She's four and she's like, oh, and my friend's car, her mom has music and daddy's car has music. And I'm like, oh my God, she thinks the radio doesn't work. (laughs) I love it. So I don't really have a karaoke jam. I'm more of a podcast person. I love it. What kind of podcasts? Oh, everything, like a lot of true crime and then photography business stuff. And then some very, very dry SEO marketing stuff that I tell people I sacrifice and listen to it. So you don't have to because, oh my <laughs> totally. goodness, it can be boring, but interesting too. So <laughs> you're right. I love it. What's been the best piece of business advice you've ever been given? Read profit first. Oh, good one. Yes. So I, if your listeners don't know, it's a book about setting up your finances and accounting in your business. And I've I've been on other podcasts where I've talked about my story where I literally like ran my business into the ground with debt and then brought it back out and started implementing profit first. And now like I don't stress about when tax bills are due. I don't stress about operating expenses or paying myself. So I tell people, I'm like, it doesn't matter if you don't make any money right now. Just go ahead and get in your head that first check you get. These are the places that it's going to go. And then that way, you know, you're set up for success. Love that. That's great advice. It's a good book. I need to go back and read it. (laughs) It's a short one, luckily, so. Yep. (laughs) Where can our listeners learn more from you? So they can check out my SEO site is melissaarlina.com. I also have a Facebook group called Raise Your Ranking. Uh, And then my photography site is melissaarlinaphotography.com. Well, I love to end my interviews just with this last question. And it is, what are you currently curious about or artistically curious about? I really think like we're in the heyday of AI right now. Like Photoshop just released their beta this past week. It's so cool. (laughs) Of like, and I'm seeing it pop up in photography groups of like what people are doing with it. And I have this one photo of this beautiful couple with the um, a lighthouse on the beach, but the beach is covered in seaweed because we had a big, huge storm that had, I think a hurricane had come by or a tropical storm and it dumped all this seaweed. And the mom and I both were like, no, when we got there. And so now I want to see if I can get it to clean up the beach for me. So I don't know, because there really wasn't enough for me to like clone it out. It was so covered, but I'm like, all right, people are like turning people into mermaids. Like seriously, I just want you to clean up the seaweed. So checking that out. And then I would say also AI for like figuring out how to make things in my life easier. So like not sitting down and coming up with 10 questions people want to ask their photographer. I'll just type that into chat GPT and let it start, get that ball rolling kind of thing. Yeah. I love it. I'm exactly the same. <laughs> I took, I took a picture cause I just downloaded it last week and I've been playing with it like, cause I'm nuts over it. And I had forgotten to take, change this little boy's shoes. And he was like in this vintage outfit it was super cute, but his shoes do not match. Uh-huh. I lassoed it and told generative AI to put like an old fashioned pair of boots on him. It's perfect. Wow. It's perfect. Like I, my mind is blown. Yeah. Someone was showing like a wedding image where they were sitting in like a stadium and there was a plastic bench, but then there were like old wooden stadium seats and they just said replace, like add stadium seats. And they were like, it matched the stadium seats in the photo. They said, I thought it would just add like red ones or something, but it matched the photo. I was like, holy cow. So it's going to be interesting. Pretty, It's pretty remarkable. It's remarkable. Yeah. Yeah, Pretty cool. Well, Melissa, thank you so much for chatting with me today. Yeah, this has been so much fun. Thanks for having me. Oh, my beautiful friends. I hope you have enjoyed this conversation just as much as I have. I'm sending you so much of my light and my love today and every single day. We will see you next time. Hey, friend. You know what's the worst? 
is just being mid-session and completely freezing. You start to feel awkward, your clients start looking at you for direction, and your brain feels like you just hit a wall. Now, believe me, you are not alone. And that's why we created the Storytellers Toolkit. It's an emotive prompt guide to help sessions stay free-flowing and fun, And best of all, right now, it's totally free. It's full of prompts for parents, motherhood, family, siblings, and couples, and even surefire smile prompts. We've put together over 200 prompts for you, so you'll never be at loss for an idea again. Grab your copy at themilkyway.ca slash toolkit. 